Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of RSF Radio. I'm your host, Joe Monday, and I have a very special guest all the way from the other side of the world, even though he's currently in the U.S. <laughs> Doc Fugu, a.k.a. Fugu Tibetai. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, having me on. Oh, no, it's, a, it's one of those things where once I saw all of the the blog posts and like articles that you've written covering uh, fighting games in Japan, I was like, it would be great to have this person on. It would be great to talk to this person on this show because it, I've, I brought up your articles in on this show a number of times, but I was like, but he's in Japan. And that's like, it's really hard to schedule things in between Japan and the U S especially for like, things like recording a podcast because that's on the other side of the world uh we could potentially have done it on a weekend but then it's like uh, i don't know it, yeah, there's so, a whole other like number of issues when recording from literally the other side of the world but <laughs> i digress anyway i'm excited to have you on i want to talk about what you have going on uh, so you got to hit me up with, with all the stuff right up front, like where can people find you? What, what should people look for in terms of your stuff? We got to get that out of the way. First things first. Absolutely. Well, so it's pretty easy. Uh, you can go to Twitter. I'm doc Fugu on there because I couldn't get Fugu Tabatai. Fugu Tabatai is, uh, the non diplume I've been going by since maybe 1999. Uh, you can reach me there at fugutabatai.com. Spelled just like you'd spell it in Japanese if you wanted to eat fugu, which is what it means. Uh, turns out that's kind of hard to, to romanize. So, uh, you know, probably doc fugu is a bit easier anyway. Um, the only thing that I do, I do one thing, and, you know, it's not very big and it's not very important, but uh, I track locals that happen in Tokyo. And, and very specifically, I'm very clear on the, the kinds of things I try to track are things that you can go to that's an event uh, that's either sort of a regularly held fighting game event or maybe kind of a little special one-off thing. But they're not big tournaments. Mm -hmm. um, I don't track online tournaments. I, I don't track stuff in Osaka. Uh, I just wanted to know, you know, one day, what are some fighting game events I could go to in Tokyo? And I started to look, and there's a bunch, and there wasn't really much accessible English information about what those were. Uh, in fact, I, I, you know, I've been into fighting games since maybe 91 or 92, uh, when Street Fighter II, The World Warrior, came out. Right. Uh, and I've been in Tokyo for, for 12 years, but I never knew about any of the stuff going on there uh, until I heard there was a podcast called The Jump In, yeah, I believe, with Logan-sama and uh, Kim all day, one, two, three, four. Uh, yeah. And offhand, uh, Kim just mentioned that, you know, there's a Wednesday night, you know, uh, Street Fighter V local in Akihabara. And I was like, Really? Uh, and so I joined Twitter and I said, oh, well, there is, how come, like, I never knew this stuff. And then I started to, uh, to track local events, uh, the kinds of things that I'd you know, like to go to. I put it on a blog so that maybe Google can index it and other people can find stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's the whole other issue of like <laughs> that. That's something that I don't think a lot of people consider when thinking about where people find information is typically people just go to Google and like type the thing into the search bar. And a lot of the time, the way that things are indexed uh, does not apply to where the in actual information is kept in the fighting game community. Um, but it's funny that you bring up the job. I remember that's one of the, man, what a throwback thinking about that, that podcast, which I feel like there weren't more than like 20 episodes of that. Not like well, they, they were good. 
they were good. Uh, yeah, they were good episodes. Like you're not wrong. Uh, definitely good information to pull from them because they're. It. I mean, it's one of those things where good information within the good content within the FGC is sometimes often fleeting because people enter and exit with seasons in their life. Uh, things happen. Things come up. People move on or move into different roles. So. Not not crazy to have things come up and spin off. I think, I mean, Logan's now doing a whole, I don't know if it has a name, but he's doing a whole another podcast series now. Uh, does it have a name? I it's don't just know. just doing interviews with the Frame Advantage guys? I'm not too sure. I've, I've seen that stuff. It's really good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I watched the one with him and and Punk and uh, Lord, Lord Problem uh, just the other day. Or... That was this morning. That was this. I watched it this morning. Uh, anyway, that's let's not talk about time and and in memoriam. But uh, but yeah, you're right. You've provided a good service now because in today's world, uh, one would think you know arcades kind. Of, even in Japan, arcade the arcade scene is. I don't want to say... I mean, it's not dead, obviously. You can go to, like, any arcade and get games. Uh, but it's not, like, Street Fighter Four era, like, 2009, this is the arcade. You're going to have trouble finding a seat, in fact. Right. Yeah, well, it, it depends, I think, a lot on the game and on the arcade, so... Yeah, like, it, um, it, like the, there's a whole, like, infrastructure to how fighting games even work in 2019, Right. It's completely changed. So, like, where would you look? And I think you provided like a good list of uh, of where all of the someone could get games. In fact, yeah, I have a, a couple. I mean, I, I don't know the arcade scene very well myself, because what I like to do is I like to go out once a week to a place where there's lots of people that has a bar where I can get drinks yeah. so I can play a few games and then <laughs> drink a bit and talk a bit and play a few more games. Uh, so the arcades are, are a good scene, but it's a different um, kind of scene. And uh, mm. Yeah, for me, I just I just love that we have these little places where you can go that, that have kind of a, a casual setting where you can uh, drink and, and talk. If you are interested in uh, sort of arcade hotspots in uh, Japan, so Majin Obama uh, does a bunch of uh, stuff promoting those things. There, there actually is a pretty good place to get information about um, different events that arcades have. So arcades also have, uh, you know, regular weekly right. gatherings where, well, let's say here, we'll do a tournament for Tekken or whatever. Um, there's the kakugechecker.com website that is essentially a database and they track, you know, also the arcade sort of weekly things that, you know, what's going on at Mikado or, uh, you know, um, Sugumo or, or things like that. Uh, but it's, it's also difficult to get a hold of in English. And there's so yeah. many of those that I said, well, I'm not going to, you know, track those. I've got a limited amount of time of what I can do. Right. Um, and although I will say you're right, getting information is hard and centralized. I keep trying to, um, push information about top tier.gg so you guys you had yeah. those those guys on before and, and they have pretty good databases of stuff going on locally so when i travel i i hit up top tier.gg and say okay what's what's in this area um i found uh, balance patch uh the the boston um local run by traveling controller which i guess those guys were on your show as well yeah lucky uh, that Burkish were on the show <laughs> in, a, in a tag team yeah Right. And uh, I found a few places in Dallas, um, although that was more from fishing around on on uh, Twitter and uh, hooking up uh, with the Facebook group. So 
um, yeah, I think that's a problem. There's there's no real centralized place to get information. I hope toptier.gg uh, or or there's a Sealeaf Dojo and some other places that are doing things like that. But they seem to be doing very well. I even talked about that on last week's episode with uh, Ultra David, which I should clarify at the time of record. We're recording this on the Friday after that episode has aired. So this is like the day after tomorrow kind of business. Uh, try and uh, get stuff out of the way for the Evo run-up. Uh, yeah, no, no, none of us know what happened at Defend the North or versus fighting. I, yeah. I, you know, my Twitter timeline is populated with all the Japanese people that I follow. Like, oh, we're in England now, or you know, Storm Kubo. He's a great guy. He, you know, he's always posting about his adventures. He's wandering around Europe and like, oh, I bumped into these random people, and he's got a big church and. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on, and I have no idea what's happened. Yeah, we are we that. are in the past, unfortunately. Uh, speaking to you in the future, uh, but so we can't comment on the things that have happened this past weekend, which I'm sure a lot has been shook up. But today, Friday, we're talking about the 19th. Today, you can go to the SFL Smash GG page and vote for the online community member that. No, hold on. What is, how do they call it? Community vote for the people in the Street Fighter League USA Season 2 is the, I guess, most of the wording that they use to describe that. Uh, you can go vote today. I think it's going to be open until like the end of the month. I, uh, I would need to have that up in front of me, which we'll get before the end of the show. But I bring that up because specifically... A lot of the information that you've documented in at your website at the the fugutibetai.com is pretty much like the origins of the SFL and what it was before it was even the SFL. Um, something I've talked about on this show is that when the SFL USA first popped popped up over here, it was like, oh, but they've actually been doing this in Japan and they've been doing it for like like basically like a whole calendar year like this is not like a new thing but also surprise none of us in in the u.s or even in the eu have even heard of this stuff so where's it even coming from uh but you have all the information so tell me a little bit about the history of the sfl okay well i can i can talk about my supposition uh of, of what it <laughs> okay. is so Fair enough. Uh, back in uh the summer of 2018 you know all of you know, a year a year ago, um, there was a new thing that that came up, which was the the Rage Street Fighter Five All Star League, powered by Capcom, and and I think that's interesting because uh, you'll notice in uh, January 2019 there was the Capcom Street Fighter League powered by Rage, right? Mm -hmm. So so keep those uh, you know the Rage oh, flips around, but they're still wait involved. A so I'm... yeah, you you I, you will need to repeat those two bits because you did a flip on my brain because I actually don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, in, in the summer of 2018, right. uh, rage. Oh, well, so first maybe what is rage, right? When this thing came yeah, out, I'm need, like, we need to reel it all the way back. Cause right. you've, you've totally give, fucked my brain up. <laughs> I said, this looks pretty interesting. Um, Rage, Rage seems like they're running big stuff. So they had run mm -hmm. uh, up until then. They're kind of an esports organization um, uh, tournament. You know, they run tournaments and they run pretty big ones. Um, they rent out, I think, uh, part of Makahari Mesa. So this Mesa, this is the big 
um, event space that uh, a lot of sort of you know worldwide uh, conferences and things like that are held at. If you know the there's like a World Arcade thing that goes on in Japan and it's held over there. The uh, the JP um, premiere that's hosted with Tokyo Game Show. Tokyo Game Show is held out of that. So so Rage will rent that thing out sometimes and they they've done tournaments there. Um, usually you know card games and stuff. So I, I looked when they first announced this this. Uh, this uh, all-star league for street fighter, what it was. So it's an esports tournament, which is formed by cyber Z back in uh, November of 2015. And then I'm like, okay, what's cyber Z? Well, cyber Z is a subsidiary of cyber agent, uh, which is kind of an advertising thing that, that expanded into blog platforms. And actually they're related to some other larger worldwide uh, advertising company. Um, but cyber agent actually owns, um, you know, Psy Games and a few other media companies. Ah, uh, okay, it's all wrapping up together now. Now it's I all see. kind of interrelated. Uh, so at least in in 2017, when I looked at this, uh, they had about 3.4 billion US in, in revenue with a profit of 280 million or so. Is, is some public numbers that I found. Right, Psy um, Games is like huge. They're fucking huge. They're pretty big, and and they're actually Psy Games. They're part of Cyber Agent, right? So Cyber yeah, Agent right. ostensibly is is bigger, but. It's kind of like, uh, you know, media and, and, and marketing is, right. is my understanding. Uh, and anyway, Rage came up as a, as a part of as a part of that. And they've been doing tournaments and uh, and, and, you know, so they do run like a Shadowverse turn, tournament and, and a whole bunch of these things. They'll have a, a usually a fall and a winter um, tournaments where they, they do stuff. <laughs> they started getting into um, Street Fighter V. And the first big thing that I saw for that was this uh, Rage Street Fighter V All-Star League powered by Capcom. And right. that was summer of 2018. Um, and, you know, it's not uh, not a, a big surprise. I think maybe at the time, you know, I thought it'd be really cool because, you know, we had uh, a bunch of captains for the teams. There was Nemo. Uh, this is, and this is where, uh, if you watch the Japan Street Fighter League, uh, they had these colors associated with the players, right? right. So uh, there's the Nemo Aurora. Uh, it's a kind of purple. Itazan Ocean, um, you know, Mago was on, uh, I believe, no, Tokido was Flame, and uh, Sunrise, Moke, uh, Umehara Gold, and Fujimura Emerald, right? So they were captains. Which, by the they, way, I am hyper bummed out that they did not keep those names for the U.S. version. Those I, names yeah, you know, are so good. Emerald, Ocean? I was expecting that too, but but they still stuck with the color theme. Or and and like of, the design of all this, like all of like the design work around specifically the like that part of it is all the same except for the names. <laughs> yeah, like Storm and yeah, it's it's a little different. But it's kind of wild. So for for this rage, they had you know they just chose six people. I, I don't know how or why uh, they chose them, um, but they did. I think they you know took some strong players. These are all you know very very strong players. Mm -hmm. uh, then they had a draft, and um, the teams were uh, basically you know consisted of of pro players that everybody would know, right? Um, so at the time. Uh, maybe I think the least known player on any team would have been uh, Machibo, who was on Itazan's ocean team, right? Machibo, like I was like, this, this is uh, Guilty Gear, right? What, do, what are we doing? Uh, but yeah, Machibo was, you know, the only uh, sort of lesser known player. Um, everyone else, like, you know, we all know. Um, it, it was a very fun little series. And it, it was the same sort of thing where, you know, they had these teams of all the pro players are very good. Uh, they did round robin uh, between all the teams and then the top 
uh, you know, two or three teams went on then to later do a, a playoff, right? So same sort of thing. Um, and I thought it was, it was really fun. They brought in uh, Ayako Hata, who's a, a, a Japanese sort of news announcer or MC and doesn't know anything about Street Fighter, but, uh, you know, sort of pretty, pretty, pretty lady that, that knows how to talk uh, and be on TV. And, uh, you know, she did really great interviews. And it was a lot of fun just kind of watching over the season as she learned about Street Fighter. They'd have little clips where they show her. You know, they're trying to teach her how to use Abigail or something. Um, all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff. Okay, so uh, I guess my my question with that did it come across like disingenuous at all, or was it all very like good and pure? Of here's an outsider, uh, they're here to present the show. They know that they don't know anything and are here to just have fun with it. Uh, yeah, well, they they brought in you know they brought in TV talent for doing the uh, sort of MC running. And, mm. and things like that. So now the the announcers, uh, the commentary team was, uh, you know, Hamiko, uh, and I, I I'd have to go back and look at it changed around sometimes, but they used you know established uh, FGC commentary teams to do the the commentary and analysis. Um, but then as an MC, they had someone who was you know not from from the FGC, and uh, this uh, Ayako Hara was kind of like the um, reporter who would do interviews and sort of human interest stuff. Uh, in between the the matches. And, you know, I really got the impression it was more about we're bringing in people that know how to do TV and TV production, you know, work behind the camera and, right. and run that stuff. Uh, and then for the the fighting game stuff, we'll, we'll let uh, the fighting game people do that. And now I, I didn't really do strong research before uh, doing this, but I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, the people that were running, making the rules for the setups and, and how to do the uh, the round robin, and they had, you know, really extensive rules on what happens if a controller breaks or if there's a disconnect. Mm. You know, that that was all done by, I believe, Toyota-san, Nanshi, who runs just a lot of, of stuff in the, the Japan FGC. Um, so, you know, the rules and all of that setup and the format for the show was, was sort of from the FGC, uh, but then they brought in this um, production stuff, uh, production companies. Uh, really, it was filmed with Abuma TV, uh, which is a streaming service, which is part of Cyber Agent that basically is running a large streaming site in Japan. Hmm. Um, and they film it at uh, a studio that uh, Open Rec, the Open Rec Abema TV studios, which is, you know, they're, they're a quite nice sort yeah. of streaming setup. Yeah, no, that actually seems, that's an, an interesting idea, right? Because I feel like what we've seen, at least in the U.S., is that there are people who are strictly FGC and they try and it's like as soon as the FGC steps outside of people who are within the community, there's like a whole bunch of side eye. But in this, in this instance, it feels like, no, they were just like, let's give the jobs to people who know how to do this job for this specific task. We'll keep the FGC stuff FGC, but if we need someone to put on a show, someone that we're going to get someone in show business. And that it sounds like how this was run. Uh, and from what I could tell, the players really had a good time with it. I think they did. Um, you know, I, I wasn't there, so I didn't, you know, wasn't uh, at any of the, the filming of this stuff. So I don't really right. know, but looking at the Twitter timelines at the time, it was a lot of fun. They, they, uh, they really um, also spent a lot of time with, you know, they'll have, uh, a couple minutes in between the sets and they'll, they'll talk and joke around. Um, and those, those just are always great. Uh, there was a draft for, for this thing. So, you know, they had the six captains ahead of time. And then afterwards, you know, they, they had them draft all the other players. Right. right. Uh, and so they had some interviews with, with Daigo, um, you know, and, and there was a short, you know, they, they 
posted up a, a clip of a video with Daigo words after the after the draft and and he was you know kind of unhappy he's like you know it didn't go like I planned I really wanted to to get Fudo on my team but Tokido took him and and you know so he didn't get who he wanted but but you know he seemed to have quite a bit of fun his team ended up being Daigo uh Sako and Bonchan so it's not like you can complain that you know he had a right. a bad team right but he's also uh, saying if, that with them standing right behind him <laughs> right well they did the interview out in the hallway right but oh, okay. uh, I mean one of the funny themes throughout this this first season was that uh Tokido's team was was um on flame it was Tokido Fudo and Mago right and yeah. uh man Mago just he gets a lot of shit because like everyone's like oh he's like the worst player and then you know he's all you know, they give him a lot of a lot of crap but everyone loves Mago right so uh it's just really funny because he's been in all three of these things and uh yeah just sort of the the evolution and just watching the interaction between the players you can tell that they're all that they're all really having a good time the one thing i don't get is you know we've got this this epic uh rivalry between Nemo and and Itabashi Right. Um, I see them around at the locals. I talk to Itabashi. We're friendly. I, I'm a Zangief main. I'm really horrible. So, you know, I, I, I try not to glom onto him and, and, and act like a complete uh, idiot. You know, but we, we chat every once in a while. And, and he's a really great guy. Uh, Nemo, I've talked to a couple of times. He's a nice guy. Uh, and I cannot for the life of me tell if these guys hate each other or if they like each other or, or, or what, you know, I, I really can't. <laughs> I think it's all part of the show. I think it's all show business. It's all smoking mirrors. <laughs> well, there's definitely passion behind it. Right. Right. You know, cause they'll be playing sets, you know, locally and, and uh, you know, it's not like they're just letting water flow into the bridge and they're happy about stuff. Is it people like, you know, getting kind of worked up, uh, but it's really great to see their interaction and, and, you know, the way that they, they interact on Twitter uh, yeah. is just a, a huge amount of fun. I, I sometimes will translate some some tweets, uh, but you know I, I, I don't have enough time to really do much of it. There's right. other people that do that now. Follow FGC Translated and uh, you know Sentimental Typhoon, and there's a bunch of people that, that do great stuff. But yeah. yeah, they have a really interesting dynamic, and, and I just love those two and some, some of the moments that they create. And they had some some really good moments uh, in these, these Street Fighter uh, things as well. Yeah, so that was, so this, that was season one powered by capcom that, that was that was yeah rage powered by capcom right. and uh just you know at the very end i think uh i should i should check my my notes here um but uh itazan's team won it right yes, in the end it was correct. uh itazan versus versus uh fujimura's emerald team from memory uh, that is how that first and by the way i yeah. said season earlier and this wasn't actually this wasn't called the sfl at the time this was rage powered by Capcom. Right. This is not the Street Fighter League, but I think, you know, it was kind of a first running where, yeah. um, you know, they, they got some of the members of the community and, and some strong players together and said, hey, let's let's put something together and stream it and see how that goes. This was a, a three on three team tournament. Uh, it also was not like the US one. Uh, so, you know, what happened was it it's just, um, you know, straight up uh, sets with, uh, well, actually, it was a race to, to points, right? It you know, some sort of uh, first to some number of stars, right? I think you have to get three stars to win. Uh, you get a star by winning winning a set. Um, and I can't really remember uh, each of these sets, you know, they all three people play against each other and whoever wins, they, they get a star. And so I think between each of the sets, they could change the team orders. Um, and I, I assume it was a blind pick. I don't know. 
but yeah, there was none of this. You know, each time you saw a set, you saw all three players against all three players. And it was really great because this is all like really top level play. So, mm-hmm. uh, so lots of fun. So I think that was, you know, maybe uh, a kind of test run for the Street Fighter League, which at Tokyo Game Show that year, Capcom announced. So I do remember that because I, I went to Tokyo Game Show that year. I volunteered and uh, did some help um, at the, uh, the JP Premier translating oh, cool. and, and uh, I ran some pools. You know, that was, that was fun. Uh, and then they announced this at the finals, you know, Ono got up and, and talked about the Street Fighter League. They also, I think, announced that that same thing, that there was a type arcade coming out. And uh, I think people were maybe more excited for that. But Yeah, I think uh, that news story. reached more people than <laughs> the Street Fighter League news did. So right. I remember hearing about that coming out of TGS, and I don't specifically remember SFL coming out of TGS at the time. Mm-hmm. But. Right. Um, and so, so that one led into kind of the, the second running, which was uh, started January 2019 uh, and went on through March. And that's the Japan Capcom Street Fighter League powered by Rage, right? So, so now the, the Capcom and Rage switched around. And, and then, you know, at this one, you got the, uh, I, I don't know, I wish that they had sort of looked at Quasimodox or someone else. But, you know, this is where you got this kind of, it's maybe mm-hmm. a fireball, but it's also maybe just a little crapped up hedgehog. It's hard to yeah, say. Yeah, to me, it looks, I mean, you say those two keywords. <laughs> it looks like how in Sonic 3 you could get a flame shield, and when you did a double jump in the air, it put fire around the Sonic the Hedgehog. And it yep. looks like a very basic version of that. It's bad. It's not good. It's a bad design. It's, it's not good. It's not yeah. good. And I think you you know what you're talking about. I've seen there's some really good designs coming out of the uh you know the the Reddit Street Fighter stuff. Hey man, so. Quasi he works so fast and he works with such skill. I mean, for the people for the for the rare few of you who watch the YouTube archive, because I really only keep this as a backup for the podcast. Uh, they record in at the same time so if if i lose one i'll probably have the other one there's like it's thousands to hundreds in terms of listeners but look at the new design you like all this cool shit do you like what you're looking at do you like what you're seeing quasimodox ox that's right fam he's so good uh i digress uh but from what i heard though from what you've described in rage powered by capcom Capcom powered by Rage was quite a different. They had a quite a different story to tell here. Well, it was a very uh, a different setup. I mean, they kept the same um, sort of concept of using three on three teams, mm-hmm. but then you know they really changed it up when they talked about who are the people that are getting in uh, invited to this thing, right? So the the first one it was just all pro players. It was you know everyone was was really very good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second run, they did something different where, uh, and, and I don't think I realized this at the time, but prior to this, Capcom had been running some things called the Rookie Caravan. Um, you might, uh, and, and you probably not many people heard about this. Uh, I, I wrote a little bit about it, but the Rookie Caravan was Capcom going around to different places in Japan, uh, like all over the place, in the countryside and out in, uh, you know, Kumamoto, uh, up up. Well, maybe they weren't in Hokkaido that first run, but they're going around in different places. Uh, They bring like some local, not local, but nationally known comedians, uh, and they have people play Street Fighter. And uh, this, it's it's the rookie caravan because you know someone would win out of that, uh, a rookie player, you know, they say, 
um, th these rookie players are all quite good, uh, but they'd represent that that area. Uh, and what happened was they they took some of these um, you know rookie players uh, as uh, a feed into um, maybe this this high class uh, area, right? Mm -hmm. um, there there was an entire selection process for for the the second running or the first running of the Japan Street Fighter League where they they broke things into classes. There was an extreme class which you know basically the team captains. Um, this time it was Itabashi Zangief, right? He won the previous one. Uh, Tokido, Fudo, Mago, Daigo, and Nemo, right? So these are all really good players. Uh, they were just chosen. Don't know how they were chosen, but, you know, I suspect it's they're just around and they're really good. Uh, then they had these high-class players. They had the most free time. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're all in Tokyo. Uh, and, right. and I think a lot of these people... Um, you know, there's some interplay, too, with Topanga and, and some of these other shows. And anyway... They, they, they know each other and, and the, the production and, and the teams that are sort of doing the fighting game side of things. So these are good people to, to lead stuff. Um, then they had a, a high-level class, right? Uh, and there was an entire selection process for that. Um, but at the time, the high-level class had rules where the people had to be under 22 years old. Um, and I think, you know, maybe that was it. But they were tryout pro process, and they were pretty good. And... Um, so, and this is also no one that had a Jesu license was in that class. Yeah, no one, no one that had a Jesu license was in that class, and I don't know if that was, you know, there was. I don't know if there was a rule about that, but but just if you're 22 and under, like, a, it's right. probably not likely that you're making it as a pro. Uh, if you want to know what a Jesu license is, that's the Japan Esports Union, um, which is giving out licenses for professional games. They license out a couple of them, Street Fighters among them, Puyo Puyo winning 11. There's a bunch. Uh, but only like five or seven. It's not like a huge number. Um, I've written a bit about right. that as well. Uh, it's, it's a way to help try to get around this thing where in Japan, uh, you can't have a company that makes a game sponsor a tournament and give out a prize to people. Um, there are ways around that. So like uh, the Evo Japan didn't have any companies that were involved uh, putting up prize money. And so they could give out prize money. It's a little strange. Um, but then like only up to a certain amount, it gets... <laughs> The if it's over a thousand dollars, you can't. Yeah, like under a thousand dollars, I think it's okay. The laws uh, get over weird. That. Is yeah. all it comes out to, and then like that—that—that that, that is honestly a whole other conversation yep. about like who has Jesse licenses and like what, like and who doesn't, and, and who, specifically who doesn't. Is, yes, <laughs> and, See, and why they right? might not. Have, yeah, uh, I mean, I and also none of this none of this licensing stuff has been tested in court. I mean, this is just a supposition right. that, that it'll work. And uh, I don't know. It, also, you know, I, I looked into it a bit and I'm like, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer myself and uh, Japanese isn't my first language. So I'm just going to, you know, I have a, I'll have a base understanding and that's good enough. Uh, so we had these, these high class members, none of them with Jesu licenses. And then they had a beginner class uh, and the beginner class, they, they ran a whole other series of, of TV shows over on, I think it was Abama TV. I wrote about that where the beginner class was really interesting because they're, you know, people that aren't involved in the fighting game community at all, uh, mm -hmm. maybe 30, it was 18 people. Yeah, that's what it was, 18 people. Uh, about half of them were women, uh, maybe even a little more than half. The majority of them were uh, comedians or models of some kind. So people that are photogenic. I think the oldest person was maybe uh, 33 or 34. It was a comedian that played Birdie and uh, he didn't get too far. Um, but, you know, what I think what Capcom is trying to do there is you know, they, they talked to talent agencies in Japan and said, hey, you know, we're going to run this show. 
uh, are there people that are interested in doing this stuff? And uh, the talent agencies are interesting. Um, you'll, you might know of Yoshimoto. Yoshimoto has, uh, is a team that sponsors some people, uh, particularly Jobin, right? Jobin, I think, is maybe, and, and maybe Machibo's Yoshimoto now. I, I forget exactly. But uh, Yoshimoto is a, a talent agency that, that basically has a bunch of comedians and actors, and they opened up a a uh, esports department because they think that's going to get big and they want to have esports talents. And so there's a couple other uh, talent agencies that have esports divisions. And mm. um, so Capcom, I think, said, hey, let's let's invite some people that are photogenic and know their way around a camera and that are interested in gaming. Right. All these people, you know, they had an interview process and, and you know, they talk about what they like and uh, you know, they were all interested in gaming and a bunch of them, you know, played Street Fighter with their dad growing up and stuff. So. Right. You know, People but I think it's a way already that already charismatic, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, their, their, you know, talent is, is more on the end of being in front of a camera and, and being, uh, yeah, charismatic. Um, and, and then, you know, we'll teach them how to play street fighter. Right. And I think this is very interesting because, uh, you know, fighting games can appeal to a lot of different people. Um, mm. but we, you know, should try to make that, uh, make the case for that. Right. Um, Nintendo might have it a bit easier with Smash, where people already love Mario and play Mario, right? And then they say, oh, here's Mario in this other game. Let me go play that. And, and you know, there's a way to transition into that. Uh, if you're not into Street Fighter, you, you probably don't know these characters, right? Um, so I think a, a really yeah, interesting like part outside of... of like the original Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2 had some real big fucking pull in terms of how important it is to like culture in general. Yeah, but uh, we're old now. Come on, Joe. I, I, I don't know. I still think it does. They put a Zangief in a Wreck-It Ralph movie. Consider that. That's all yeah. I have to say. I, I'm pretty sure a Dirty Zangief main is like on the writing staff, right? I mean, it's not like the, the kids in the, the you know, uh, elementary school are saying, man, I really want to see Zangief. Fair you enough. You know, it's, it's, but uh, I, mean, I think it's really a nice good thing. point because it's like, uh, Mike Tyson just found out like last <laughs> week that Balrog was, or I'm sorry, actually M. Bison in Japan was based on him. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I feel like that's, I feel like that's not true. I'm pretty sure, like, uh, fucking who was his, uh, oh, God damn it, my boxing knowledge. Who was his, uh, his, my, his promoter? Oh, Don King? Don King. I'm pretty sure Don King knew who the fuck (laughs) that character was based on. He probably just didn't give a fuck. Maybe. Uh, But, again, (laughs) I think Uh, it has some sway. But you're right, though. It's it's not something that, even if you know the characters, getting into the community and getting into fighting games in general is not easy to do. Right. So, so they had, you know, these three classes. And the beginner class, you know, these people were, were, you know, really... uh, so I'm not going to say they were terrible. They were were not excellent. Um, I myself am a dirty casual. I, I, I'm god awful. Uh, I at one point got my Zangief up to platinum. Now I'm stuck in gold because I decided ah I'd better learn a real character. And I, I learned to learn to use Rashid. Got me down to like rookie again, and, and I could only get up to silver with him. So uh, you know I'm not very good. Uh, but I could tell sort of watching the uh, the whole selection process for these um, rookies that, that they're not super good. Like you know, they, they weren't able to block jump-ins, right? Like they didn't know how to block, right? That's, that's the first thing. But you could tell as they were going right. through the selection process, they're getting better. Uh, and so then finally, when we get to the, the Japan SFL, we've got these three strata, uh, strata right? We've got the, the Daigo level people, the, the mid-level class people, which are like, those are people that are going to your locals and, and basically winning the locals, right? Um, 
so like some of the people that that uh, got into that from the the mid level class were uh, consistently winning at the the Akihabara weekly local or at the uh, Cyclops um, basement local on uh, uh, coming out of Osaka, uh, I think Sakagami. Uh, he he wins there frequently enough. Um, so they're quite good, right? Like they definitely would, you know, diamond or super diamond, or I don't even know what's above that. Cause I, I'm only platinum, right? I don't, I don't know. Um, so they're quite good, but the beginner class were really bad. And, and I think, you know, one of the focuses that, that this, uh, this street fighter league had was, um, on sort of learning and, and using these other people to teach, uh, the beginner class members, some, some real basics. Uh, and the way that the scoring worked for this is, um, the, Extreme class would play the extreme class, and that's worth three points for the winner. Mm -hmm. The high-level class would play the high-level class, and that's worth two points for the winner. And the uh, beginner class would play the beginner class, and that's worth one point for the winner. And then the team, um, you know, with the most points wins. Uh, you might say, well, well, Doc, uh, you know, I know that if the extreme class wins, that's three. But what if they lose the other two? Because that gives three points as well. And what do you do if there's a tie? right um what do you do if there's a tie yeah that that might be uh that might be a a, a problem math, um, is, math sometimes works against you yeah that might be that might be uh, a problem then they they have the extreme class played out again so it's not it's not like a super uh, nothing nothing uh, super crazy there well, wasn't, um, wasn't there like extra stakes added to that though I they do like... that well so they do have this final act thing which was if, yeah. if one team ran away and they won 3-0 uh, <laughs> um, oh yeah, that, that that's the, what I'm thinking. Like, the, it's the time of tears or something. Yes, like the that. time of crying final <laughs> yes. act, which was uh, if if a team ran it ran it out three and zero, then the um, extreme class, wait, the middle the middle level class, the high level player, uh, could optionally play the um, the pro player on the other team, and if they win a first to two, then they win the whole thing. Or not the, not the whole thing. They win. They win three victory points. Right. Right. Uh, or they could choose the beginner, and if the beginner wins a, uh, you know, and I said first to two, I meant you know a regular battle with two rounds. With the beginner, it was just one round. Like whoever wins just a single round match, they can scrub um, it out. Yeah. They can scrub it out, which is which is really funny. <laughs> uh, and and so yeah, they have like the, this interesting rule there where, uh, you know. Where, where they had this time of crying. And that came up a couple times and down near the end, Fuda was like, yeah, our team was losing. Uh, so we had to intentionally throw things to get to this crying act because you know, if we won that, then we could actually get three victory points, which would make our total enough to put us up into the third spot to move on. And uh, you know, a bunch of rules lawyering here that, that I think uh, Ultra David would be, would be proud of. Right, um, like that can lead to some fun. I imagine that could lead to some funny situations. Yeah, there was, there was happened. some funny things uh funny things coming out of that uh but yeah so so this first run of the the street fighter league had these these three different classes and and the play only happened between the three different classes uh and there were you know mm -hmm. no character bans so what it really um was there was some discussion you know when they talked to the team captains about this they sort of sat down and and said oh yeah if you you go and add up all the points even if the captain wins like every every round uh, every battle um, another team where, you know, maybe the beginner wins all the battles and the captain wins half of the time, they're going to end up with more points in the end. And so, uh, there was a big focus on, on trying to, uh, make sure that the, the beginner class people could improve. Mm -hmm. And I like that, uh, this, this sort of sequence ran over two months from January to March. 
Um, so exactly like what yeah. happened with the U.S. Street Fighter League, as far as I as far as I know. Well, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's funny that you said as far as I know, question mark, because they would they would have you believe that it was filmed over the course of of that amount of time where really it was all done over a single weekend uh, or, or like a week or something. It might have been a week. I have to. Yeah, that's that's a real shame because one of the things I really enjoyed about this um, uh, this running in JP was that you know week over week uh, you could see that the beginner players were improving and and almost every uh, mm. for every segment they had between the two teams each team got a, a beginning sort of like three minute uh, video sequence oh, and cool. usually they'd they'd cover you know training that uh, the teams were doing and say okay here your opponent and this one is Blanca so you should really learn how to punish you know a Blanca ball or something that, that kind of makes sense um, too because then you have a lot more time for lead up in terms of production like pre-production that you could have before the, sh- the actual like show part airs yeah absolutely the shows were definitely you know filmed in advance and, and edited uh and then streamed out but the production was very good uh they they would do these things you'd see them do the training uh and i really like that because i would spend time on my blog i'd look at okay what things were they focusing on the training uh and then i'd go back and see you know how many times did the person anti-air right like if the focus mm-hmm. was anti-airing or something and and i thought that was super interesting and you could see them getting better yeah um it gives and, insight uh, into how a pro would want to teach a new or already skilled player. Right, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and actually, I, I looked at that too. So the pros often, they, they often had segments where they say, okay, uh, with Kawano, right? Oh, Kawano, he's a, a strong uh, a Colleen. You know, he, he was uh, in this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm talking off the top of my head. I might get this wrong. But there was a player that, that is, is well-known now that was, you know, an Anman, Shuto. Shuto was in this for, for sure, too. Uh, the pro players would tell them to focus on one thing. And for the life of me, I watch a lot of Street Fighter. I had a very hard time seeing, you know, improvements in the high-level players. Like, to me, I'm like, oh, they're very good. And right. then, you know, like, oh, maybe they did something a little bit different. They're still really good. But you could see a big difference in the beginner class. Right. Um, and I wanted to see with, with the U.S. Uh, uh, League, I was kind of excited to see uh, what happens when you, you ban a pro player's main uh, or, or a very good player's main character. They don't, you know, aren't known for having a secondary. I would love to see how they improve uh, week over week. And I assume it would be a much faster process than this was with the beginner class yeah. uh, and, and something I was looking forward to seeing. And I, I didn't really get to see it so much. Yeah, because you would have Idom get that Laura band and then... He would try birdie because you can try birdie. He's he's pretty easy to pick up. He has pretty strong matchups. You could try him. And then, like, I guess you could see there was, like, a little bit of improvement of his birdie over the course of those couple days. Because you could tell he would, like, go at night and and probably grind out session with birdie. Which, like, also to him as a pro player is, like, that doesn't necessarily help him because he's not going to pick birdie in a CPT event ever. That's not going to happen. He's right. going to stick with Laura, but it could have been interesting to see him branch out over a longer period of time and see if like there is something there. Maybe that he does have like a pocket character that he can go to and, you know, maybe make up for Laura's bad matchups. You never know. Well, I'm curious to talk about that because one of the things I think, you know, these, these are in the end entertainment for viewers, right? right. And, and you want to make an appealing product for for the audience um and so what is it that that you want to see you know for myself i am kind of interested to see okay how does a pro player who who puts a lot of time into these things and is very good at fighting games 
uh, how well can they adapt and how quickly can they they change? And, and I think that that would be a really amazing process mm-hmm. to watch, to see. But, you know, if that's what the U.S. Street Fighter League was aiming for, like, I, I don't think they set it up so that they could uh, show off that that strength. No. Um, yeah. The And, you know, I think the idea of a ban is interesting. I, I like it when you have rules that make you think tactically and, and how to apply that. But I think the way practically it, it turned out was that, yeah, you'd always ban, you know, Laura. Uh, although Mikey made it interesting. And at some points you'd think, okay, well, if you got some other player who's really strong, maybe you'd, you'd want to ban them too. But that's just kind of luck of the draw that that happened on that team. Um, yeah, it got a little monotonous and expected. Like you'd been Karen for for punk or it just or bison for toy it just became pretty rote and didn't it didn't have a story to tell at that point because right. then it's just them playing a weaker character hey maybe they'll take around but i don't i'd have to look at the stats i don't know if if many of those character specialists lost or i'm sorry won any of those sets uh, i'd yeah. have to go back and look though I think that the U.S. Street Fighter League had some idea of of trying to build, um, you know, some themes into their into their groupings, right? So, so they took uh, the captains where people right. ranked high on the the Capcom uh, Pro Tour leaderboard. That makes sense. And then they said we have a class of people um, that are fan voted in, right? And then another class was what was what was the third group? Online tournaments. Online tournament winners. That's right. So, so there's some some groupings there. Um, but I think in all of those cases, you're kind of just getting people who are good at Street Fighter to varying degrees. Right. Um, and I'm just, you know, it's interesting to think of. I think in the Japan case for this first season, they had a very different idea of what are the people they're going to to get to take part in this for, and, and what they're trying to show the audience, right? So we have pro-level players who are, you know, we know they're very good. We have high-level pro-am players. You know, these are maybe the up-and-coming people, which is why they had that, you know, hey, you're under 22 years old. That That's an important part of it. Um, th- these really are up-and-coming. They're, they're young. Uh, and Japan is trying to get more young people into the game. Um, and then we had this class of here. here's sort of the uh, everyman um, character that, that, you know, you at home can sympathize with. And and I think a lot of people could be like, oh, I'm better than them. And, and you know, you can... But it's still interesting because you can see uh, this sort of uh, progression of improvement. And, and I think, you know, Capcom in Japan trying to reach out to a broader audience is really, uh, really interesting. Um, and, and I like that they had that thought there. There, I there is a, a, a... I think you bring up a good point. Just something that makes me think about, and I hadn't really thought about this until you laid things out like that, in terms of there are there's this group of pro players in Japan, and it's this very select group. It's only a couple more than six players. I mean, it's there's a bunch of talent out of Japan, but then you look at the way that the U.S. has run things with the SFL, and it's like, here's your six captains based on their standings in the CPT, then we have the online tournaments, then community voting. But also, when you look at all of the players who are involved in all of this, if you look at, like, last season, Duel Kevin, right? Uh, he made it in community i think he was community voted in i mm, mm, i'd have to go back and look at this but regardless it wasn't in this, now season two he's a captain because he has the most cpt points right like the breadth yeah. of skill that we're looking at here isn't like their other classes they are pretty much everyone involved in 
the SFL in the USA version of it is pretty much pro level on that skill, on that skill level. Uh, so there aren't necessarily discrete skill levels between the three classes. I mean, there's, I mean, Justin Wong is Justin Wong, right? Like right. you're not going to have, I mean, he's talented in a bunch of different characters and he's just insanely skilled, but at the same time, like he didn't, no one had a hundred percent win rate. Yeah. A single person. So I, I think they could have done with the, the people who are online tournament winners just to make it more uh, natural for them. They could have installed a, a lag switch in there and then got uh, <laughs> Lee Chung to come by with one of his Tims to kick it every once in a while. You know, that would have put them back in their natural U.S. You habitat. Have, you by the have way, one the, lag uh, switch to activate during this round, but it only right. goes to your online tournament winner. <laughs> But the, uh, the 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 online in Japan is it really is really good. Uh, I, I've only yeah, played ranked matches in in Japan. It's great, no problem. People complain a lot in the U.S. and uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't have a machine out here to play with, so I don't mm. know what it's like. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, the internet's good. I mean, I would argue that you do if you go to the arcades, but th- that's kind of a different story. It's kind of a different situation because you're only yeah. attached to other arcade machines, but. Which yeah, I, I don't see there. the reason to play Street Fighter Five in the arcades when you get a better experience at home. And if you want to play outside of your house, go to the place where they serve beer and you can chat with people too. Yeah, which you <laughs> cannot do in Shinjuku. Got kicked out real fast for that one. Uh, they, they don't let you do it. What the fuck? Uh, anyway, uh, that that's another story for another time. But, so, they set this up. They run it. How did things end up? Uh, well, let's see. That's that's a good question. Um, I did write up a whole bunch about this, and, and I tried to up my game by including more pictures and putting in some videos. And yeah, so I, I really liked uh, they had great takes between, um, you know, the players and, and Ayako mm. Hata was back and interviewing people. And uh, there was, you know, great moments between Nemo and, and uh, Itazan because those teams played against each other a bit. So mm. I put some, some uh, you know, translated videos in there I'm, I'm really shit at video editing but but that happened um so you can check some of that out but if i recall correctly uh the winner was uh in fact itabashi zangief mm-hmm. um i think someone's got a nerf geef what uh, mm, <laughs> what mm, are we gonna do mm-mm, um mm-mm. <laughs> now he's but wasn't he playing abigail at the time yeah, it was it was almost entirely Abigail, uh, <laughs> you know, much much to my uh, chagrin. Yeah. Um, but now he he's had isn't a, he back to Abigail. He's not he's not full Zangief mode even in this season. Yeah, no, he he's still switching off between um, you know uh, Abigail and Zangief and playing a bit more uh, Abigail than than I would like to see. But that's just yeah. me. Uh, his his team that that for that running by the way was uh, Itabashi Zangief, um, a Fong player called Mochan who was, was, you know, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, you know, yeah, he was he was a lot of fun to watch. And then he had a, a Ken player who was just kind of crazy, Kimura Keita, absolute crazy guy, mm-hmm. uh, but also quite fun uh, to watch. The he second the, team... He was the player that everyone wanted on their team from that... that no, he level. wasn't. So oh, the player was, that everyone... Player? Oh, I'm sorry then. Everyone wanted on their team a guy named uh, uh, Kunisada Ryosuke, an Ed player, um, oh, okay. who was just clearly better than everyone else. You know, he, he had combos, you know, he could, uh, he could block jump ins. Uh, he figured out how to V reversal like halfway through the, the rookie <laughs> thing. And yeah, he was, he was really good. He won, I think 
all but two of his matches. Um, Kimura Keita was uh, just the kind of plucky guy who, who uh, at the at the uh, rookie sort of draft thing, he said, "And Itazan, I want to be on your team." <laughs> it just seemed like a completely ridiculous like guy, and, and I can't believe Itabashi chose him, uh, but he did. And Itabashi he was, he was likes, actually quite he likes good. gamble. He likes gamble. Yeah. He's a gambler. Yeah, he was he was quite good. Um, <laughs> I think the number two team uh, that made it to the grand finals uh, was Nemo's Aurora. So for me, this was great. We saw lots of uh, Itabashi and uh, Nemo interaction. Mm -hmm. Nemo's team was quite good. Uh, The high-class player was Anman, Yurian. He changed his name to – he got sponsored uh, and changed his name to Shuto, which is his actually family name. Uh, So Shuto Yurian, if you see him around, uh, came from this. And then the beginner class was Okamura Mami. She's, uh, you know, a a, – an actress maybe or a model uh i I wasn't aware of her work before she joined us because i don't think she has a a huge body of 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 work um she won the the best smile contest for a hotel chain uh that's i think the biggest thing i could find Uh, she played by the way folks if you're not like haven't caught the drift of the japanese like tv and entertainment is vastly differently run how u.s entertainment industry is, is run you'll have a lot more like people who are just like a commentator for what yeah, or just just people that are famous because they're famous and they're pretty and they can talk and right they make jokes like who were the people who commentated on the side during iron chef who are they really yeah they're just talking head and there's just like a lot of that uh but that's just like how like game shows work in japan versus how like tv yeah. is run it's a different world, folks, but it that's is. where some of these people came from. Yeah. So Okamura Mami, uh, she, you know, started with Cami, changed to, to Blanca, uh, and still is playing Blanca, doing a lot of stuff with uh, with video games. She does a lot of the um, the streams for the Japanese uh, CPT. No so she'll she'll go overnight with, uh, you know. Um, the Nai or one of the other commentators and they'll just, they'll comment, you know, from three in the morning to, to 12 the next day on, uh, you know, v- verse fighting or something. Damn. Um, so she's a lot of fun. The other thing that was just a, a whole bunch of uh, entertainment for me was this guy, Nagashima Pineapple, who's a comedian. He's part of a, a comedy duo. Um, and he uh, got picked by Daigo and Daigo is just hilarious in all of these things at the, the, um, for the, the draft, all of the beginners, they, the captains could choose people to play against each other. And, and then they, you know, based on that, ostensibly choose the strongest person. Right. Daigo was asking people, where do you live? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> because he wanted someone that lived in Tokyo uh, so that they could, like, go out drinking and stuff. And, and, he, and then they asked, you know, why, why did you choose Nagashima Pineapple? He's a Rashid. You know, he's okay. And Daigo's like, oh, I thought it'd be fun to drink with him. <laughs> and, and you know nagashima pineapple turned out to be very good and and they had a couple of, you know videos where daigo and them were out drinking and so yeah just daigo is is a hilarious guy um again follow fgc translated he he puts a bunch of daigo things yeah, up there yeah it's made so, it, it fgc translated has made me turn on daigo in a lot of ways because when you see daigo interact with like situations where he's comfortable like daigo in interviews he's a terrible interviewer he's like the worst person to interview as boring as fuck bland answers the whole way through vanilla it's vanilla all the way down but you get him talking to like a stream or interacting with a stream where it's just him kind of at, let loose daigo unchained 
there's something there. Like there's, it's, it's been really nice to have those translations out there or even have translations like the one you did of, of like this journey through the SFL, uh, which has yeah. been quite fun to see that side I, of things. I like to stick to long form things, but uh, there, there's all sorts of stuff out there. And I think it's great when we can get more information uh, mm-hmm. out and about And And, uh, you know, I am probably the least of the people that, that, that do anything in Japan. Like you should definitely be following Giuna and, and Majin Obama and, and, you know, people like that. They actually do stuff like organize things mm-hmm. and, and make stuff happen, which is super uh, useful for the community. Um, but I guess we should talk a little bit about the, the upcoming season uh, for the, the Japan Street Fighter League. Um, it's changed again. It's a little bit different. Uh, I have a, you know, some some graphics. They released a graphic of of how they're they're doing the um, selection for people this time, and they're continuing. Um, I think this breakdown into different classes. So they have again uh, Jesu Pro licensed captains, mm-hmm. um, and they have a, a pool of Jesu Pro licensed holders uh, that they'll that they'll pull from. But then they have a whole bunch of feeder systems uh, to get into that. And uh, one of those is the um, Arcade League, right? So Street Fighter V Type Arcade came out uh, this year, mm-hmm. last year. I don't know. It came out recently. Um, and what they did is they said, okay, we're going to have 30 arcades around the country. And each of these 30 arcades are going to run a three-on-three tournament. Um, and the winner from each of those arcades, you know, one team will win for the arcade. And then uh, those teams will go into um, a playoffs, uh, which is actually coming up at the end of the month. I have some information about it, where three teams will come out of those playoffs and go into the tryout pool. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, we're running you know, competitions around 30 locations in Japan, all over the place of teams, uh, of real local teams. So you get this, this, this feel of a really local flavor mm-hmm. uh, of different you know, communities coming together. And, and you know, they've been running these uh, all month through July and people have been really interested in it, really you know, having a lot of fun with it. And even there have been some teams traveling around. So uh, you know, Takeuchi John, like I, I forget which team he was on, but they traveled kind of like you know, two hours out to Ibaraki uh, to get a win in, at one of the arcades out there, uh, it was it was him and um, you know some other people. So oh, that's kind of interesting. That is cool. And those are still going on. There's there's going to be a finals. I think it's on the the twenty seventh. Um, I mean, I could check. I have it all written down. But no, uh, no one here. No, very few people. I would say, if not zero people, who are listening to this show would be available to compete in that tournament. To, to, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think the thing is that I'm interested in is I believe they're going to stream um, that they're going to stream uh, the okay. the finals for that, uh, which which should be uh, quite interesting. Point, yeah. In fact, it it is going to be streamed on the arcade uh, on the 28th on Twitch. Uh, Twitch at Capcom Fighters JP. Oh, okay. So I was going to guess Open Rec, but I mean, there you go. And that's that's on Capcom Fighters. So, yeah, so that was the one source that they had pulling people in is the Arcade League. Uh, the other thing they're doing is to continue this this idea of young people. They have a college. Uh, they had a college tournament, um, and that was limited to college people. Uh, and in fact, Okamura Mami and. Uh, Let's see if I can if I can find her team. Okamoto Mami joined up with, uh, I think it was Colono. Um, but basically, the the college is uh, limited to, to college people, mm-hmm. and 
they they had again different colleges so each each team you know represented a, a college and then you know they had a, a playoffs and those happened um you know not too long ago it was Basically back like on a school the, versus uh, like a school rival school versus school yeah i mean actually the the people could come from different colleges but they had to be in a college oh, okay. uh, and so back on the, uh, the the 22nd june 22nd and 15th um they had uh you know a playoff for that that was all done online uh and and you know we got a winner that came out of that so uh one team of three people came out of this college um uh this this college uh mm. tournament right uh and then there's one final source that they pull from which is uh this rookies caravan that i talked about that travels around the country um and they they run street fighter things there those are all individual uh, street fighter tournaments but it's really interesting they they usually have like a pro player i think the one that happened last weekend uh maybe hatsume uh, was in it but you know storm kubo or nemo or itabashi like all these people will will go out and then they'll pair them up with a with a, a talent person a comedian or an MC or an actor uh and they have playoffs they have i kind of like that mm -hmm. they have tournaments there that that represent uh the different regions so uh there's six of those six teams come out of the six rookies caravans and then they fight in a east versus west right so like east coast west coast uh thing where mm -hmm. um the two winning teams two teams will come out of that and go into the tryout so okay. we've got a big draft pool of of i don't know people coming from the arcade from the college from rookies caravan uh and then also into that draft pool go uh six jesu pro license holders um uh, so that draft pool ends up being 24 people that gets whittled down to, to 12 people that are actually selected for the, the six teams. Hmm. Um, and, and this is going to be interesting to see how that happens. I haven't seen information on how they're going to do the teams, if they're going to do, you know, separate it to different class levels, or if they're going to do a Pokemon style tournament, uh, you know, uh, where they, or a Wasada or, or whatever they do. I, I don't know what the score is going to be that hasn't been announced, but yeah, it seems like um, they've opened it up a little bit more this year in terms of <laughs> skill levels. So you might, it, it might not make sense to do a beginner level, rookie level, pro level. Right. I think so. The, the people that come out of the, the arcade, uh, for example, like those yeah. people are like super good. Like, right. uh, yeah. like, you know, Takeuchi John is, they, they, you know, he had a team that won one of those things. MOV is on a team. I forget. MOV's team was just, uh, ridiculous. <laughs> um, right. Let me see if, but I mean, the point of it is though, it's, it's yeah. a little bit more contentious this time around for the, for the second season of, of SFL in Japan. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, maybe they, they won't do that same thing where they, they, uh, split the, the teams up into levels, but I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I think they're continuing to try to experiment, to try to find something, uh, yeah. that's interesting. Um, but I really did like what they did, what they did last year with, uh, you know, the different levels of people, but, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think, you know, it's always good to try new stuff and to see what works out. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. And hopefully Daigo can get a team that's all in Tokyo so we can get like a, a camera inside <laughs> of a bar that. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost positive that, that all of this stuff is going to run over Tokyo because if you're in Japan, uh, at worst, you're like two hours away from Tokyo and it, it's you right. know, not that far. Uh, if you could fly be, from. It could be costly. Nah, yeah, it's not that bad though. Like a hundred bucks to 
anyway, the, I'm pretty sure that the, the that's organizers fair. would pay for the, you know, pay for the, the right, flights right, out right. and stuff. Right. But that, that's almost also, certainly true. Yeah. It's also pretty likely that a lot of your people are going to be in Tokyo already. So um, that's I mean, just what happens. It's, pretty, most it's of a pretty big city. Yeah. 24 million people in it. So, yeah. uh, okay. So that, I think cool. that's what we know about the, the upcoming JP uh, Street Fighter League. And I'm curious to see. Uh, how that goes and i'll probably write something about it unless someone else does i it'd be great if someone else did i think once or twice i was able to <laughs> watching the u.s street fighter league it's great because i don't have to take notes i don't have to go back over it a second time i understand yeah, what people yeah. say don't have to do like full uh, translations of, of what people said and do like basically transcriptions no that would be if right. only you could pass the buck honestly uh right no, but that's that's cool to see how things have been run differently in Japan versus how things have been run in the U.S. Like how things have been run over time, like what pools they even pull from. Like, it, and it also seems like that. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like there were a lot more resources put into the Japanese SFL than there have been for the U.S. SFL. Like in terms of the lead up even right because for season two of the sfl was basically ceo happened and they said season two is happening yeah. tomorrow and then tomorrow came around and like they weren't they weren't actually ready they didn't have everything ready until like like late tuesday so like mm, I don't know if the huh. same amount of resources are being put into the SFL season two. However, we haven't really seen how it's at, like we haven't seen it come about in terms of when they go to film it again. I believe it'll be a over a week kind of thing. Um, but I guess I should go over who is part of it that we know of right now. So again, I'll say we're recording this on the 19th. So voting is open for the community voting for that so you can go to the smash gg page right now i'll probably include that in the show notes uh because where else are you going to find it honestly it's not like it's posted anywhere else uh but the team captains are pulled from the top performers in the cpt so if you look at the u.s overall uh that puts well also carry over the last two so you have punk and knuckle do uh you also have 801 strider you have smug Dual Kevin, who was a community voted player from last year, uh, now makes top eight at CEO and is number two, or well, I say number five. And the sixth person could be CJ Truth or Terrence. At this point, we don't know because the points are the same there. So it's like a toss up, right? Then. We look at the online tournaments. So if you look at the players who've carried over from that, it's Shine and JB. But then Samurai won a <laughs> online tournament, so he's back in it. Idom won an online tournament, so he's back in it. You also have Mojo, who's a extremely strong Mika player, and Dankadelis, who is a he's kind of like a G main now. He's G and uh, Dalsum. Uh, then for community players, you have Broly Legs as a carryover and Rob TV as a carryover. Uh, so right now there's uh, there's four more players up for grabs here. There's going to be a whole new round of selecting players, so it's going to be team shakeups from before. Uh, there'll be a whole new thing, but that's kind of the setup for SFL Season Two USA. And uh, and we have to vote for the community people, right? Yes. Do you, you know? 
Do we have only one vote? Yes, you only have yeah. one vote. Because there's, there's a, lot, a lot of people I want to vote for. There's a lot of people on that list. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good videos out there. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of players who I would. The funny thing is about this is that I feel like season two of this a lot more old old guard more popular street fighter players have come to the table for this community voting and been like hey like let me wield my giant sword of followers on twitter.com and say hey i i feel like they're doing a little bit more work uh to maybe swing swing the vote in their direction who can say I don't know if it'll pay out for them because uh, I mean, who's actually going and like, I would have to like, look at how many people actually vote over time. It's a whole thing that has me very confused about the entire process, but I don't know. We might get some weird results in season two. You might see a flow, for example, in season two. I wouldn't be surprised, Uh, but I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of very worthwhile players up for up for the vote. Who can yep, say? absolutely? And there's only uh, so it looks like there's going to be you know six from the online and, and six from the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means when they're choosing the teams, you know there's everyone gets chosen, right? So that was one thing from the right. JP League that uh, you know they had double the number of people in the the candidate pool. Yeah. Um, from what you know, actually got chosen, which, you know, I, you can go either way, but I think that did provide a bit of drama and uh, some, uh, you know, tension in terms of uh, when, you know, you're doing the draft, do people even make it in or not? Yeah, they make uh, the cut. Here, it's, there is already a cut, and then when draft day happens, it's a snake draft, goes both ways, and now you have to have a player that, so how it works is with one player from cpt ranking one player from online one player from the community vote you have to have a representation of one of three on your team so that's just the other kink and at least at least that's what i believe those rules haven't necessarily been laid out but that's my assumption yeah that makes sense but okay other than that all i have left are assumptions as to how it will run, I would imagine that it's going to, here's like worst case scenario in my mind is that it's run the exact same way. All of the ruling that has been laid out in the smash GG looks like it's probably going to be the same. Now that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily carry over to like when they go to film it. Uh, but it, it's just one. Of, I don't, I saw a lot of people clamoring for, we want, different rules in terms of who can be banned or like number of bands or like, and there could be interesting rules there, right? You could, you could switch it up a little bit. Uh, It would be nice if, uh, if they would let us know what the rules are though, because you know, from my point of view as a viewer, I get to vote for who who goes in. And if I know what the rules are, that informs who I want to choose. Right. So I don't know if you saw, um, uh, you know, this guy, Alex Myers, right. A cami. Cami user he reminded me that he also plays sakura so you know that's if there's a a good chance that Cami gets banned then you know maybe i want to vote in people that i know have at least two players uh, to play or maybe i want to grief the grief them and and vote in people that that are just specialists right Mm -hmm. uh i I don't know but i mean it'd be nice to know the full set of rules if, if i get to take part in some of this voting 
Um, it'd be a shame, like in you know American political elections, if you, they let you vote, but they don't tell you what party is the candidates are or something. You know, it seems like you want as much information as possible if you're uh, gonna. Yeah, honestly, I just wish the candidates would tell you what their policies are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, that'd be helpful. That's a fucking rarity. Uh, but anyway, a weird digression there. But I think I think that lines up. I think that tracks. Uh, who knows? Who knows where your vote is going? Uh, no, I would say me. vote I for a specialist. <laughs> I would say vote for a specialist and and kind of because that in my mind creates the most fun situation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think that some specialists maybe have been uh, trying to hedge their bets. I I watch. Uh, I don't know if you know. There's a, a online locals run. Um, you know, on the East Coast, and I like this guy Mike Too Strunk. <laughs> I, I come for the Zangief, but lately he's been playing uh, Akuma. So yeah, he, he switches. To, it's funny to watch him play Akuma, and like the specific way that he plays Akuma is very Zangief like. It's very Zangief esque. Yeah. Uh, it's funny talking to him about that because he's like, I feel like my Zangief sucks now, and it's like, my guy, just stick to the Zangief. Be yeah. be the Zangief in your own heart. But but I think that that does bring up a point that it's important what Capcom is trying to say with these with these shows, right? Because you know if Capcom is saying you know if you're playing Street Fighter, you really need to know how to play multiple characters, and that's kind of what they're saying with with uh, I mean, this Inception. I mean, I feel like they're so I feel like that is a correct way to look at the game, but also not. Here's where I'm here's where I'm dichotomous on this. Here's my here's my double think on this one is that I think at a base like a core level it is easy to learn different like a different character. It is easy to go in and like learn the combos, the setups and you can understand a character fairly quickly, especially if you are already playing at a very high level because then it's like, well, I can just remember defensive options versus this character. I kind of know already where they're probably going to want to play from and apply that to the matchup that you're currently playing with a different character. You can do that. But then the other side of my brain switches on and says, but because it's easy to learn characters, what actually becomes very hard is the like very discreet minutia of like, well, are you standing this far away or this far away, which is like a very small difference, right? Like, you can't see this, but I'm holding my fingers very, very close together where there's like very small differences of how you would approach a matchup with a character versus another character and how that would affect like the knowledge that you have to have on that level in Street Fighter five, I think is very high, even though at a base level, how to learn to play, play a character might be l- lower on the terms of what you need to know. So I don't know. Maybe that's what they're trying to say, but I don't necessarily know if that stacks up. I don't know. Yeah. Street Fighter Five yeah, is, is a weird game at this point. I, I really love character specialists. I, there's nothing I love more than seeing uh, Itabashi go in with Zangief and yeah. beat a Dalsim or a Manat. Uh, but then you know you also can say, well, uh, you know maybe maybe you just don't use Zangief against those two characters, yeah, right? If he's, if he's trying, <laughs> if he's trying to win, why would he play that character? So I, I don't know. I, I, it's interesting to to see sort of what the rules are, and I think that. You know, Capcom might not intentionally be trying to say something, but if they make this an attractive thing for the community to get into, there's you know a prize pool and more exposure, uh, then it, it might drive how the the players who are up and coming, you know, 
decide what they play and how they do it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just a dirty casual. I'm just going to stick to having fun. And, and sometimes that means I lose with Sangeef. Sometimes it means I lose with Rashid or with Falk. Uh, you know, but either way, it's fun. And that's um, but fine. That, that is one it, thing that people forget yeah. sometimes is that fighting games are fun. Like, oh, yeah. at the end of the day, like, if you're in this and not having fun, you've you fucked up along the way at some point you've you've lost the path um i mean like there are parts where like you might be disheartened and not like having like capital f fun but at the end of the day come on man it's a game we like to play it's a a genre that is at its core fun uh but so that's kind of all the us sfl information that i have uh, I think we've covered this topic pretty thoroughly. Unless there's anything else uh, that's going on in Japan, uh, SFL-wise, or just in general that you want to bring up before we uh, sunset this episode. Well, I've listened to this podcast quite a bit. I think we're probably about at the time limit. Uh, there's all sorts of stuff in Japan, uh, but I don't think there's time to, to go into that stuff. I mean, could you give like an abridged quick rundown of thi- like? Could you bring up a list of things where you're like, here's a bunch of links that you can link in the show notes that people should go look for if they are interested in what the fighting game community looks like in Japan. Right. I wonder, yeah, I don't know. I write a little bit about that stuff. Uh, one of the things I talked about, um, you know, recently was they, there was just the 200th running of the fighters crossover Akiba. That's the, the local weekly held at uh, Akihabara Esports square. Mm-hmm. Um, that's run by a guy named uh, Kagechi. And uh, it's really interesting. So we did 200 of these things, and he talked a lot about sort of the evolution of that event and uh, some of the economics behind it uh, and and the the numbers of people. Like, uh, it's only been growing, right? I don't think we we have uh, problems with that. So uh, I have a blog post um, about that somewhere that I I thought I had uh, put in the notes. But if not, I will I will do that. I've already mentioned that, that you should follow FGC Translated. I don't know how that account does it. Uh, they, they translate a lot of stuff, and uh, it, it's really interesting. They're going through a lot of streams. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, the breadth uh, of things that they pull from has been really interesting. And also the rate of which they're putting information out there is cool. Yep. Uh, I don't know if people... Um, you know, have been, uh, have, have know about uh, Hatsume. She's a, a Kami player, uh, a pro player uh, that sort of travels around. And she has uh, some really nice um, vlogs, some nice vlogs up on YouTube. Uh, I don't know what it is about Kami players and vlogs, but if you look at Alex Myers, I think he does like really good stuff about traveling around and he does his own editing and, and it, it's quite well done. Um, but I think you might want to take a look at, uh, she has a vlog up about the, um, uh, 2018 Taiwan major uh, that has some English subtitles. And uh, it's just fun to watch her because she travels along with the other uh, Japanese, you know, pros. But a lot of her stuff is just kind of like, wow, this is cool. I'm, I'm traveling the world and playing fighting games. Uh, so I think that's that's a, a fun account. A um, different perspective. A more different like joy, a joyous gamer perspective. Right. Uh, Another person that, that's fun to watch and does stuff in Japan is Guilty, right? So she used to be, I think, a St. Louis person. Yes. Uh, I met her out in, in Akihabara. Uh, she's a lot of fun. She just recently put on a Mortal Kombat 11 event at a heavy metal bar in which Shibuya, is like which was super of, cool. That's kind of wild to think like people in Japan are playing Mortal Kombat at all. 
I mean, not many people do. You can't get it with a Japanese account. Uh, so you have to have like a U.S. PlayStation account because it's too gory. Oh, I, she's on the inside. She's got the, yeah. he, well, I brought my U.S. PS4 over here playing my dirty U.S. games. That's, That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't think not, not many people are playing Mortal Kombat uh, really out here. I think Tachikawa, if you know him, um, uh, Colleen, uh, Street Fighter player, DBFC mostly uh, mm-hmm. right now. He's also been doing some Mortal, Mortal Kombat 11, but uh, I think it's really cool that Guilty's, uh, you know, ran this event at a heavy metal bar, which sort of fits right in with the the NRS uh, Mortal Kombat sort of um, sort that of tracks. stuff. That, that that Venn diagram is almost one circle. Yep. Uh, if you do come to Japan, uh, hit me up. I'm happy to, to sort of tell you about here are some locals to go to, uh, but particularly uh, I think if you want to see some of the best action in the world uh go to tuesday uh, fighting tuesday sort of run by giuna and uh, majin obama they got uh tekken 7 dbfz soul caliber 6 out there um and that's officially sponsored by uh bandai namco um i like the wednesday night local at akibara akihabara esports square uh red bull red bull gaming does a lot of great stuff for the community um you know uh shout outs to to them for that they run on Thursday night, a Street Fighter local, usually this level up Thursday. Uh, and sometimes they do a Jikoken TV sort of filming uh, that Fudo is usually involved in. Um, and there's a bunch of locals that are focused on beginner uh, to intermediate players, um, at least two that I know of. So Shogepi uh, runs one and this port near Corp uh, runs another. Um, but if you are going to stop by, feel free to hit me up. Uh, and I'll point you out to some some fun uh, locals to go to. And if you come by Wednesday night at the uh, Akibari Sports Square, let's let's get a drink. Cool. I'm I'm better at that than I am at uh, Street Fighter, but I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> put a pretty bad Zangief up against whatever you have. Hey, <laughs> cheers to that. I'm, I'm a much better drinker than I am a Street Fighter player. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, man. That's a that's quite a, a bit of information. There's a lot to chew on there for people. Uh, hopefully, they've enjoyed this episode, and hope I've I've I know I've had fun listening to the stories of the origins uh, the origin story of the SFL and kind of where things have come from and where we are now. But I can't let you go. You you know I've got to ask you two questions. I cannot let you leave this show without answering these two questions, which I think play into. The way that people answer these, I think, can tell a lot about someone's character, what they're thinking in their darkest of hearts. Uh, and this question comes in two parts. First part, what is your favorite normal attack in any fighting game and why? Well, so I, I've only really played Capcom fighters. Uh, never liked sort of when Final Fight or Fatal Fury came out, sort of the SNK style. Like, what, what is this jerky, you know, low frame rate stuff? Uh, so I'm a Capcom guy. Uh, my, but my favorite normal attack has got to be uh, T-Hawk's jumping jab in the air. Ooh, okay. It's just the best. I, You know, I haven't played that game for a long time. Every once in a while, I, I boot it up and play around. I just remember, it just looks like a triangle, that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it's a very pointed look to it. It's, it's a very, yeah, when you said that move, what came to my mind was sharp. That's a sharp jumping yep. attack. It's active forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you jump in, and then, oh, they blocked it. This is great. Are we are we going to go for a ride? Are we going for a Mexican typhoon? Are we going to do, you know, a standing short and then a Mexican typhoon? What are we going to do? Oh, it leads into so much fun stuff. Uh, but I just I just love that uh, uh, that move. Or in, in Ultra Street Fighter 4, I also liked T-Hawk's uh, jumping strong, which uh, whiffs on 
you know, crouching opponents mm-hmm. uh, or doesn't doesn't have a, a hit for those guys. So you can you can use that and then they block because they're like, oh, he's attacking. But no, I'm actually taking you for a ride. Yeah, it uh, also like activates your uh, block, uh, your guard. What proximity guard? Yeah, proximity guard. Yeah. I'm out of blank there. Thanks. Yeah, which is like an, an interesting thing that can lead to fun situations and it keeps them in the same spot. Uh, no, that's cool. Uh, I dig it. Those are good. I think you're the only person who's come on this show and named a jumping attack as their, as their favorite normal. I think I'd have to go back and check the logs, but that is a, that's an interesting little different take that I don't think we've heard on the show before. Uh, so along those lines, I have to ask you the part two, what is your favorite combo in any fighting game and why? Uh, well, again, I'm also old and very bad with my hands. So for me, combo is kind of like if you have four hits in a combo, that is amazing. Because uh, I grew up with, with Street Fighter II, uh, the World Warrior. That's a big and, combo. Uh, four hits? That's a big four combo. Four hits huge. Yeah, I, I actually cannot really do any combos. But um, so I, have, I have two answers. So so the combo that I'm kind of most proud of that I can do right now is, uh, you know, jump in uh, Street Fighter V with Zangief. Uh, you know, cr- uh, jumping fierce, and then uh, a headbutt, and then a jab, and then a uh, lariat. I'm very proud that I can do that because, you know, when I first started playing fighting games, I never intentionally studied anything. I didn't know what a lab was. You know, this, all of this stuff was foreign to me. Uh, and, and so, you know, when I first started Street Fighter Five, I, I heard, heard about you know bread and butter combos and stuff, and then I, I found one for Zangief, and I'm like, wow. Uh, that's four hits. That's going to be tough, but I figured it out and I can do it. So that just talks to how bad I am. But, but I think, you know, one of the things I really, really love and miss, and I, I haven't been able to recapture this feeling is, uh, back in, um, street fighter two, any of those incarnations, uh, when you can get an opponent to block your, your, uh, roundhouse with Ryu and, and chain that into a fireball, man, I just love that. You know, where you, you got that, you're doing that sweep and then suddenly, oh, nope, I'm doing a Hadouken and you've got to block this thing and you're moving across the screen and now you're back, uh, you're back far away from me. Yeah, and, uh, it did so God, much pushback. That. You're right. That That is an interesting thing that it was like, I mean, that's not a thing in in what Street Fighter has become these days to cancel. Man, God, could you imagine if Ryu could cancel a sweep in Street Fighter Five? I, I, I try to play around and I still, you know, I don't, it's been a while, but I, I still don't feel like he has that sort of range where, you know, you used to poke with some low attack and get it into that, that fireball just to have them block it to get your, your range back and, and settle back into neutral. Yeah. Um, but I just love the whole feeling of that roundhouse to the fireball. It just felt so good. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's funny. That's, that's interesting. I th- again, that's another interesting take because I think you're the only person who's, listed a like a quote-unquote combo that is technically a block string yeah a very bad block huh. string yeah <laughs> very funny that's a i don't know that's just a very different take that uh, hasn't been done on the show before so that's two first right in a row so doc fugu you uh you earned the crown on that one oh well thanks it just it's i'm not very good at fighting games but those things are so much fun man <laughs> that's what it's about i'm all for it all right well doc fugu that is all our time for today. Uh, before we go, let people know again where they can find you on the internet. 
Yeah, well, catch me uh, on Twitter at DocFugu. So that's spelled like it sounds at D-O-C-F-U-G-U. And then uh, also I've got a website, fugutabatai.com, uh, F-U-G-U-T-A-B-E-T-A-I.com. Uh, you know, you're better off just looking at Twitter because the only thing I really do is post up every couple of days a list of things going on in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I sporadically translate stuff. It's all good stuff. All right, folks, and you can find me at SuperJoeMonday or at RedSF on Twitter.com, or you can just hop on our Street Fighter and post anything, and I'll delete it because I'm a mod, and guess what? Your ass is banned. Uh, no, we don't run things like that over there on our Street Fighter. It's a different world over there. It's a, it's a good place. Go there and read up what's going on on the front page of our Street Fighter because there's a lot. Um, we've got the the funding for the community funding for Evo, which should be next week's episode. I realized late in like or late this morning where I was like, oh, fuck. The hundredth episode aligns with day one of Evo. <laughs> I've made a horrible mistake because I have nothing planned. <laughs> so we, uh, we we will see what comes over your your podcast feed next week because I, I don't know. You know as much as I do, listener, and uh, we'll see. Uh, there probably there will be a there will not be a Monday tournament following Evo, uh, and there will not be a Friday tournament before Evo uh, because we're all just we're all going to be there. So. There's no chance that we're going to have the online tournament there. So look, just enjoy yourselves. Enjoy Evo. Uh, enjoy the the spectacle of, of it all. Uh, and then we'll catch back up on the, we'll bring back the online weekly the, the following Monday. So with that, folks, that's a show, though, for, for RSF Radio. We'll be here every Thursday. There will be, uh, there, there will be an episode on 100 at some point. I don't know what it'll be, but there will be one (laughs) until that time, though. Uh, Take care, folks. Peace.